Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Let's do this once again. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the cotton crop has been running behind all year long. And that's not only the case here in Texas. The cotton crop across the entire cotton belt is behind schedule this year. We'll check on that to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When you're a beef producer in Texas, it's nice to hear that exports of your product are on the rise. But what's also on the rise? is how much those exports mean in terms of money to our cattle raisers. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Census Bureau reports that small towns are losing businesses but gaining workers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. Congress recently passed an extension of the Wildfire and Hurricane Indemnity Program Plus, also known as WIP Plus. I'm Chad Smith, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. It's no secret that the 2021 cotton crop is behind schedule. That's the case here in Texas and across the cotton belt. This week's crop progress and condition report confirms that, according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. We see more than three quarters of the U.S. cotton bowls open. 78% is the number for October 10th. That is behind the five-year average of 82%, even further behind last year's 89%. The states really dragging down that open bowl number are the southeastern and portions of the Delta states. And we are seeing some very slow numbers on bowls opening there. Alabama, 73% open. Five-year average is 89%. Tennessee, three quarters open, 19 percentage points behind the five-year average of 94%. But that is being counterbalanced by faster progress uh, in states like California, where we see 92% bowls open, five-year average is just 80%. Here in Texas, we have 54% of the cotton bowls open, 21% of the crop has been harvested. The crop ratings continue to look very good. The Texas cotton crop now rated 9% excellent, 53% good, 33% fair, and only 5% rated poor to very poor. Well, the cotton crop may be running late this year, but it's been an exceptional year for sorghum production in the panhandle. Jake Becker is a field agronomist for Pioneer. He's based up in Dalhart. Man, the the milo crop looks spectacular. Uh, Super excited about the milo crop. 
uh, farmers are getting a good price for it, especially if they had a poor contracted. Um, there is, uh, just with the Milo price, there was some guys who planted Milo on what would traditionally be corn ground, really shooting for those high yields. And there's guys around here harvesting 12,000 pound Milo. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, really happy. We've, we've got a new product that came out last year, 85 P 75. It is a home run almost everywhere. Super excited. So when is the last time you've seen that kind of yield, Jake? Oh man, <laughs> that's the deal with the Milo crops. You know, it's, it's, somebody says, hey, you know, I made a great, you know, 10, 12,000 pound Milo crop. And you say, well, hey, that's awesome. What did you do? And they say, well, nothing, uh, nothing that I normally didn't do. You know, it was the growing season. So really, to really hit those yields like that, it takes mother nature. It takes good management. But more than anything, I I think it takes a little bit of luck putting the right hybrid on the right acre. Um, But you'll get those every three, four years in spots, but this year it seems pretty widespread. There's a lot of really good Milo in the countryside. Jake Becker, field agronomist for Pioneer in Dalhart. Beef exports set a record in August, and that's good news for Texas cattle producers. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. There's been some really great news on exports of U.S. beef lately. In fact, for 2021, the year-to-date figures show sales of our beef to foreign markets are up by 18% in volume. But something else that's up, and this means a lot to our local producers, according to the U.S. Meat Export Federation, during August, exports elevated the overall value of cattle by nearly $470 per head of fed slaughter. The average per head benefit from exports is way up from where it used to be before negotiators were able to win greater access to markets like Japan, South Korea, and China. Joe Sheely is with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Not that many years ago we were talking about $150, $200 per head. Uh, that was before we had uh, full access to a lot of our big Asian markets. But uh, to be in that $470 head range is really remarkable. And I think it shows the resilience of demand from some of these key markets. I mean, overhead costs in the uh, livestock and meat industries are very high right now, perhaps the highest they've ever been, all the way from the, the farm to the transportation costs to get meat overseas. But when, uh, when demand is exceptionally strong for our products, uh, the customers are willing to pick up that cost, and I think that's what that average value per head really indicates is uh, we're, we have tight supplies. Uh, prices are, are pretty high for, for meat, both domestically and in the international markets, but our customers really value U.S. beef. They value the unique qualities of U.S. beef, and they're, they're willing to pay that price. Once again, that was Joe Sheely with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Small towns are losing businesses but gaining workers. Tom Nicoletti explains. The U.S. Census Bureau reports that the number of businesses located in small towns declined from 2017 to 2019 compared to metropolitan areas. The report compares metropolitan regions to what are known as micropolitan areas, regions anchored by a central county between 10,000 and 50,000 population. The number of businesses in micro areas slipped three-tenths of a percent, while rising one-and-a-half percent in cities. The number of workers increased in both. Of the 47 states that have at least one micro area, Texas has the most at 46. 
The Office of Management and Budget recognizes 382 U.S. metropolitan statistical areas defined as urban cores of at least 50,000 people and any surrounding counties that are economically linked based on commuting patterns. But there are also 551 micropolitan statistical areas, the micro areas, in the United States. Census Bureau economist Andrew Haidt says it's too soon to know what impact the pandemic will have on businesses and employment in rural areas. He says if employers allow more employees to work from home, there could be a population shift from urban to rural because of the lower cost of living. According to the Census Bureau, much of the nation's population growth in recent decades occurred in metro areas, now home to 86% of the U.S. population. Despite that, the Census Bureau reports smaller towns still account for a significant portion of the population in many states and remain substantial contributors to the U.S. economy. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Congress recently passed an extension of the WHIP Plus program in the recent continuing resolution to fund the government. Chad Smith has more on what that means for eligible producers. An extension of WIP Plus was included in recent legislation Congress passed to fund the federal government. Scott Bennett, Director of Congressional Relations with the American Farm Bureau, says producers hit by a natural disaster can get some much-needed assistance. Congress was able to pass in the continuing resolution for government funding through December 3rd an extension of the WHIP Plus program to include 2020 and 2021 crop years with funding to the tune of $10 billion. This money will be available for producers that had qualifying natural disasters destroy a portion or all of their crop. Bennett says a variety of natural disasters are covered by the program. Any producer that suffered damage from a qualifying disaster in 2020 and 2021, such as wildfires, hurricanes, derechos, or drought, or more, may qualify for a payment to recoup the lost value of those crops. Please contact your local FSA office for more information on your qualification for this relief and how to apply if you do. Bennett also says another USDA program is available to help producers offset costs associated with COVID-19 safety measures. The Pandemic Response and Safety Grant Program assists small businesses in certain commodity areas, including specialty crop producers, meat and other processors, and distributors with the costs of preventing further spread of COVID-19, such as providing PPE, facilitating social distancing, and retrofitting facilities. This grant funding is intended to offset the cost of these COVID mitigation activities. Those interested in applying can find more information at ams.usda.gov backslash grants. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today. With archery season underway in Texas, hunters are being advised to follow all hunting regulations in their county. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. And African swine fever is now present in our hemisphere. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. 
Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. African swine fever is now present in the Dominican Republic and in Haiti. Dr. Bob Judd says keeping that disease out of the U.S. is a top priority. The USDA has numerous safeguards in place to prevent African swine fever from entering the United States. Also, Homeland Security is increasing inspections of flights from the Dominican Republic to ensure travelers do not bring prohibited products into the United States. The USDA has established a Foreign Animal Disease Protection Zone in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. This protection zone is established in an area free of the disease as a temporary measure to prevent transmission of a disease from a neighboring country. This will allow the USDA to have processes in place to restrict movement of live swine and products out of the protection zone, conduct appropriate surveillance, quarantine, and disposal methods, provide testing support and personal protective equipment to prevent transmission of the disease. There are also some things you can do to help prevent the disease from entering the United States, as African swine fever can be carried on clothing, shoes, and hands. The virus can survive for months in pork products. So before coming back to the United States from a foreign country, check with the USDA online to see which items you can bring back. Also, declare any overseas farm visits to customs. And if you visit a farm, wear site-specific footwear and coveralls that can be left on the farm. And when you do return from a foreign country, do not visit a farm or other location in the United States that has pigs for at least five days. African swine fever is a serious disease that will have a devastating effect on our economy and pig population if it enters this country. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With archery season underway now in Texas, hunters are being encouraged to follow the regulations in their county. Tom Nicoletti has more in today's wildlife report. Archery-only season in Texas opened October 2nd. Travis Glick is with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. He is community archery specialist for Central Texas. So the first thing is make sure you're following all of your, your county's regulations. Not all counties have every season. And so it's important to know your regulations before you step out because ignorance of the law is no exception. Make sure that you know whether or not you're capable of taking what kind of deer. Some counties only allow bucks to be taken. Some counties have antler restrictions. So that's the most important thing. Make sure you know your county's restrictions. Glick goes on to offer some archery hunting tips. Archery is a sport open to all, especially with the introduction of crossbow during archery season. Everyone of every physical ability is, is capable of, of participating in this sport. And that's one of the sports reasons why it makes it such a unique and fun sport. You can use crossbows for during archery season in most counties. There are some counties where crossbows have to wait until rifle season. But for the majority of counties in Texas, crossbows are now legal for all hunters during archery season. I would say one of the most important things is to be prepared for what you're planning on doing. Archery is a very slow, it's a very involved process as you get more and more into the sport. That is Travis Glick with the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Archery-only seasons opened October 2nd and run through November 5th, 2021. 
These archery-only hunting dates include mule deer for Brewster, Pecos, and Terrell counties, and statewide excluding the southwestern panhandle, for wild turkey in all counties with an open fall season, and for white-tailed deer for all counties with an open season. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We wrapped up the cattle trade on Friday with live cattle higher, feeder cattle lower. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We wrapped up trade in the cattle futures market on Friday with live cattle ending the week higher. Feeder cattle moved lower. Here's a rundown of the closing prices. October live cattle up 22 cents, 125.97. December up 67 at 130.97. The February up 70 cents. 135.35. A lower feeder market with October down 85 cents, 157.57. November down 72, 161.42. January feeder cattle down 82 cents, 161.52. Cash fed cattle trade last week was a mostly steady market. We saw most of our fed cattle here in the South selling at 124 on a live basis. Had a few reports of some cattle reaching as high as 125 and a half. Up north, they sold cattle at 198 on the rail. Boxed beef prices were higher on Friday. Choice up 97 cents to 81.29. Select up 80 at 261.48. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to head down to Caldwell, the Colodge capital of Texas, and talk to Carl Herman about the sale that he and his family had in Caldwell on Wednesday. Carl, stop down from delivering cattle and tell us how they sold. You know, we had uh, a little over 800 yesterday on a steady calf market, cow market two, uh, for 101 sellers and 49 buyers. Uh, we had about 170 cows and bulls yesterday. Uh, slaughter cows 30 to 65, slaughter bulls 72 to 83. Stocker cows seven and a quarter to ten and a quarter, and pairs nine seventy-five to sixteen hundred. Uh, on the calf side, the heifers two to three weights, one fifty to one seventy-five. Three to four weights, one forty to one ninety-five. Four to five weights, uh, one forty-three to one eighty. Five to six weights, one thirty to one sixty-seven. Six to seven weights, one twenty to one forty-two, and the seven to eight weight steers, one fifteen to one twenty-nine. On the heifer side, two to three weight heifers, one twenty-five to one thirty-two. Three to four weights, one twenty to one forty-seven. Four to five weight heifers brought one thirty to one ninety-two. Five to six weights, one twenty to two twenty-five. Six to seven weights, one ten to one twenty-seven, and the seven to eight weight heifers a dollar to a dollar fifty-three. Uh, overall, had a good day. Market steady. Uh, you can tell it's uh, we're getting into fall. Uh, some of the uh, 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 yeah, a little bit of everything yesterday as far as the calves. Calves side, we had some really good calves, and we had some that wasn't so good. So uh, that's just part of it, and we try to do the best we can with all of it. So looking forward to next week. 
Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Uh, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. Maybe that's it for today's Walk in the Pens. I'm your host, Larry Marble. You're listening to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll see you back tomorrow. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close higher on Friday. December hogs up 95 cents, 78.27. February up a dollar two, 81.32. Class three milk was mixed with the October up four cents, 17.96 a hundred. November milk unchanged at 19.36 a hundred weight. We saw a very volatile trade in the cotton market on Friday. That's been the norm for the last few weeks. Prices actually hit limit up, then backed off near unchanged. We ended up closing slightly lower. USDA released its weekly export sales report on Friday morning. Traders a bit disappointed in those numbers. The report showed sharply lower cotton sales and sharply lower shipments. So that weighed on prices a bit. We wrapped up the trade Friday with December cotton up 23 points, 107.33. March cotton up 5 at 105 even. The corn market closed higher on Friday. We saw a nice rally at the end of the trading week after prices dipped lower following Tuesday's USDA supply and demand report. We gained about 20 cents in the last two trading sessions with December corn up nine, closing at 525 and three quarters. March corn up eight and a half, 534 and a quarter. The wheat market closing higher. The entire wheat complex moved higher, led higher by Minneapolis spring wheat. And, of course, when it jumps higher, it usually pulls both hard and soft wheat up with it. So we closed on Friday with July Kansas City wheat up 10 and a quarter, 745 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up nine, 738 and a quarter. In the energy markets Friday, November natural gas down 25 cents, 542. November crude oil up 92 at 82.23 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Friday. The Dow up 362 points, 35,274. The Nasdaq up 57 at 14,881. The S&P up 29, 4,468. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.